Hey ladies, this is Paige Scott. I'm with Entourage Ministries. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you join us for our monthly gathering. We, may, we meet the second Tuesday of every month at the Monterey, a cool event venue in the Developing Arts District of Durant, Oklahoma. You don't have to be from Durant to come. We even had Texans visit last week, and I hope that the women that are in the general Texoma area will continue to come. Entourage is a multi generational and multi-denominational ministry. So I love podcasts and I love the Word of God and it's like my favorite thing ever to get to hang out with my friend Jessie who also serves as our worship leader at Entourage Ministries and she runs the tech side of the podcast. So I get to show up with Jessie with the Word of God and then um, and then this opportunity to meet with you wherever you are today in your office, in your car, uh, maybe rocking a baby to sleep, listening to your Bluetooth headphones. That's what I do sometimes. Everyone needs to own Bluetooth headphones no matter how silly they look. They are the greatest invention in the world. You can be doing dishes and listening to a podcast. Sometimes I watch Paw Patrol with my children, but I'm really getting fed the word by someone wiser than me, by someone with an anointing to teach, all while watching Paw Patrol because of Bluetooth headphones. So it's just a shout out. Um, we're not affiliated with any distributor of Bluetooth headphones. Uh, just highly encourage purchasing them because they're amazing. So uh, speaking of headphones and listening to things, uh, this is a verse that the Lord just um, brought right off the page to me on the first day of this year, 1-1-2019. I was spending some time with the Lord seeking His face for the year, not only for Entourage Ministries, but just in my life. And I was reading in Psalm 28. This is a psalm that David wrote, and it's called A Prayer for Help and praise for its answer. I love that. Moving down to verse 6, I'm just going to read the text to you. Uh, verse 6 through 9, Psalm 28, this is the Amplified Version. It says, Blessed be the Lord, because He has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I shall thank Him and praise Him. The Lord is their strength, and He is the fortress of salvation to His anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. Coming back to part of verse 7, it says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I shall thank Him and praise Him. I love that implication and that personal attribution of my song. I love the thought that as we go through life, we're all singing a song, whether we realize it or not or not, our, our life, our actions, um, our decisions, our moments, they're projecting these lyrics that everyone, everyone can hear, everyone can, can read, everyone can perceive. And, and just as the scripture says, whether or not our heart is trusting in the Lord and resting in Him, that impacts the song 
the people here. And so I love the thought too that my heart's different than Jesse's heart. My experiences are different than Jesse's. Um, our experiences are different. So we all have these different levels of trust with the Lord and different opportunities to trust in the Lord and in, in His unyielding strength, as it says. And there's something so beautiful and so unique and so personal as His creation that as we trust in Him, there's a song that only we can sing to the world around us. And so I, I hadn't fully decided to do this particular podcast. I was still kind of mulling around on the idea. And one of our ministry team members, Layla, she lost a friend in the state of Ohio, a really godly man. And uh, she sent me she sent me his his obituary and was just telling me what a what a neat man that he was. And the title of his obituary was Grant's Song. And as you continue to read through it, it's talking about him. And it says, though he is gone, his song continues through his works. Somewhere scores of homeless have eaten warm meals, warmed their bodies, and found roofs over their heads thanks to his volunteer work. Somewhere a person who is looking for a job in information technology remembers his help. And perhaps deep in his wife's memory echoes the notes of the song, that he sang to her on their wedding day. And I was just like, okay, Lord, I, I want to dive into this. So I love seeing this fruit of the song of his life and how even in his passing, he is bringing honor to the Lord with his song. We all have that opportunity, not only when we pass into glory, but, but as we're living. My, uh, my great-grandmother, um, she had one arm. That's what I remember about her. She had one arm and she had a stub on the other side. And I can remember as a little girl, like playing with her stub and being fascinated with it. But she was like superwoman, like so many families from that generation. There were many children, there were many grandchildren, and there were many great grandchildren, and they all grew up in the same area. In fact, I grew up at the home place of my, I, I live currently at the home place of my grandfather, and my grandfather still lives there. But as a boy, he lived in a little farm shack that he still lives in today uh, that was just set behind what was a cotton field at that time. And so my sweet great-grandmother with one arm would raise all of these children, cook all of these meals. She was known well for her fried potatoes, among other things, and she would iron pants, and she would do manual labor outside with just one arm. And uh, that blows my mind. But she was loved by everyone that knew her and her family because of these things that she did. But my grandpa shared a story with me recently, something I didn't know about her. Of course, she passed away when I was very young, but she had a beautiful voice. And when she was out at outside and, and there was stillness of night when she would sing any song, but usually old hymns, he said, it would carry. It would carry to the neighbors and they could identify it as being her song that she was singing from, from her house, from her place where she lived with her family and lyrics that she believed in. And I just loved the imagery of that, of her 
busy with the chores of the day or enjoying the fellowship of her family and having a voice in a song that was so recognizable, it carried to the neighbors around her in the stillness of the night. They recognized her voice. And so just in thinking back to what does that have to do with this verse in Psalm? What does that have to do with me or with you? I would say that as believers, we have a song that we're called to sing. People hear it. They recognize it when they're in moments of stillness and maybe seeking the Lord. Maybe they think of aspects of your life that have been like a song to them and they reflect upon that. But if your life was a song, would it reflect a heart that trusted in the Lord? Or would its lyrics be something very different? And this is so not from a place of condemnation. My goal every time that I have the opportunity to chat on a podcast is for you to leave encouraged and and to leave um, just so edified knowing that God loves you and has plans for you. But if you'll just visit with me for a moment, I want to dive into the book of 1 Kings and I want to look at Solomon and this implication of a song that is kind of broadcast afar to others that is a byproduct of truth. Trust uh, in the Lord's unyielded strength. So I said that the psalm that I read from was a psalm of David. Well, in this particular text, we're going to be talking about Solomon. That was King David's son. Um, If you are a note taker and you're in a place that you can take notes, I'm going to be hopping around a bit. But specifically, I'm going to be in 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to be in 1 Kings chapter 9. Maybe I'm going to be in 1 Kings chapter 10 and 11. We'll just wait and see how the Spirit moves and if I feel like it when I get get to that place or not. But just to give you some backstory, um, I've recognized that everyone comes into this podcast with different levels of knowledge concerning the Bible, and that's okay. Uh, I'm in my learning journey as well. I love learning new things. So you can probably picture um, Moses and uh, the Hebrews that came out of Egypt and that kind of that imagery of the Bible. Well, if you if you know and you followed uh, biblical history, and narrative before that, you know that there was a man named Abraham. God created a covenant with him to to develop a nation of chosen people, uh, God's inheritance through that covenant. And so that nation, those were the Hebrews um, later in this context, the the Israelites, uh, the tribes um, of Jacob. uh, Now we call them call them Jews also. So there is this nation that is in covenant with the Lord God. And so after he brings them out of slavery from Egypt, he establishes and settles them into a promised land. You may affiliate that with being Jericho, Canaan, Jerusalem, obviously is in that promised land. It's a, um, a territory with varying cities and areas. And so during that time, God's people, as they often do in this nation, they began to want to follow someone that they can see tangibly. So God creates the opportunity um, 
for a king. Really, they ask for it. He answers their prayer. It goes awry. And then there's a good king named King David, and God furthers his covenant different than what he made with Abraham. And he says, I'm going to establish you, King David. I'm going to establish your throne forever in this nation. Now, we know, setting years after this, that he's talking about that Jesus is going to be birthed out of this lineage, that he is the king of kings uh, and lord of lords. But there was uh, there was physical and obvious manifestation of that presence um, as other relatives of King David's took the throne um, in the nation of, of Israel, Judah. Uh, sometimes the nations were were split, but governing governing parts um, of of this territory that God's people people were in. So we pick up on Solomon's reign after King David, and it is off to a great start. Um, beginning in chapter 3 of 1 Kings and reading verses 3 through 15, it says, Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, except for the fact that he burned incense in high places. So he had a little issue of idol worship going on despite his love for the Lord. And, and God's going to address that in just a minute. It says the king, speaking of Solomon, went to Gibeon near Jerusalem where the tabernacle and the bronze altar stood. And he was going to sacrifice there uh, for that was the great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And again, that's just the, pl- the way that they worshiped as part of the old old covenant. We are living sacrifices to the Lord today. We do not uh, do that in our Christian faith, but that's what it's talking about. Uh, Verse five, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night and God said, ask me what I shall give you. Then Solomon said, you have shown your servant David, my father, great loving kindness because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and with uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great loving kindness in you that you have given him a son to set on his throne as it is today. So now, O Lord, my God, You have made your servant king in place of David, my father. And as for me, I am but a little boy in wisdom and experience. I do not know how to go out or come in or conduct business as a king. Your servant is among your people whom you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. Side note, that's the fulfillment of his promise to Abraham that I referenced earlier, or it is in part at least. Verse 9. So give your servant an understanding mind and a hearing heart with which to judge your people so that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge and rule this great people of yours. Verse 10, now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Just flipping back for a minute to Psalm 28, therefore my heart rejoices and with my song, I shall praise him. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Solomon is essentially asking the Lord for strength and he is choosing what he is asking for God's intervention into wisdom uh, that he might place his trust in the Lord and whatever it is that the Lord gives to him. So this is kind of a picture of, of what I'm getting at when I'm referring to our life as, 
as a song, with my song. So again, the question or the suggestion from Solomon pleases God. And God says in verse 11, because you have asked this and you've not asked for yourself a long life, nor wealth, nor for the lives of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding uh, to recognize justice. Behold, I have done as you asked. I have given you a wise and discerning heart and mind so that no one before you will be your equal and nor will anyone be your equal to arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both wealth and honor, so that there will not be anyone equal to you among the kings for all of your days. Solomon, if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commands as your father David did, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke and he realized that it was a dream. He came back to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings as he prepared a feast for all of his servants. So I just want to note for a minute, uh, that was a lot of content to read through. The Lord approached Solomon and said, what is it that you want from me? In Solomon's response, he obviously trusted in the Lord's ability to give him something good and something necessary. So he made a decision to place his strength in the Lord and to place his trust in the Lord. And when he chose to do that, the Lord poured into him not only what he needed, but something that was going to be of value and, and, and benefit beyond that. And so... Um, we're going to, to look a, a little further at, at what happens after that. Just as the Lord told Solomon in response to his request, the fruit of that wisdom, the fruit of, of honor, uh, wealth, and understanding, um, we see that laid out in the scripture. And then we get to 1 Kings chapter 9. God affirms again to him, hey, I... I want to establish your kingdom if you'll just continue to put your trust in me. You can't put your trust in other places. It has to be in me. He says it this way, 1 Kings 9, beginning in verse 1. Now it happened when Solomon had finished building the temple of the Lord. So through this wisdom, through this opportunity for Solomon to put his strength and trust in the Lord and to be in receipt of what the Lord wanted to give him, he creates a, a place for the Lord that is his temple, his infamous and beautiful temple. The Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and supplication, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house, the temple, which you have built, putting my name in my presence there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. I hope you know that you're, if you're listening to this, this temple is representative of our lives today. And so when I read that verse, I love it because I, I am identified in Christ. So I'm like, um, God's name and his presence is, is in me. His eyes and his heart are with me perpetually. And I just love the beauty of that. Moving back to what we're talking about, which is Solomon. Verse 4 says, As for you, Solomon, if you walk and live your life before me, as David your father walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness, acting in accordance with everything that I've commanded you, and you'll keep my statutes and precepts, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, just as I promised your father David, saying, You shall not be without a descendant on the throne of Israel. But if your sons turn away from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I've set before you, but go to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and I will cast them out of my sight, um, which I have consecrated for my name and for my presence. So God meets 
with Solomon. Solomon placed his trust in the Lord, in the Lord's strength for the Lord to provide what he needs. The Lord establishes um, much through Solomon's reign and then affirms again his promise, reminds him of his covenant. And the fame of Solomon and the gifts that the Lord had given him begin to and continue to spread throughout the land. So in 1 Kings chapter 10, you see the account that is quite famous of the Queen of Sheba. Picking up in verse 1, it says, Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with riddles. She wanted to get a sense of what was going on. What is this anointing that this man is caring about? Uh, caring about within him. And I love that it says she had heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? She had heard about this man who had an incredible gift because of a trust that he had placed in the Lord's strength, strength to give him wisdom, strength to give him direction. And, and people came from afar, this, in this particular text, Queen Sheba, to, to just get an idea of what was going on. And so it continues to detail her visit with Solomon and her observation of wealth, splendor, and wisdom. That's how it captures it in my Bible. And she knows there is this association with the name of the Lord uh, and his trust in that. And so that's all great and wonderful until you get to 1 Kings chapter 11. And it says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. And from the very nations of whom the Lord said to the Israelites, You shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for the result will be that they will turn away your hearts to follow their gods. Yet Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives. That's not a typo. It actually says that. That's crazy. 300 concubines. And his wives turned his heart away from God. Oh, the tragedy. Oh, the tragedy of resting his trust in the strength of the Lord to resting his heart in his desires of the flesh toward women, toward their gods in creating unions that the Lord had strictly, strictly forbade and warned him about. It says, For Solomon went over, went after Ashtoreth, the fertility goddess, and after Milcom, the, the idol of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil things in the sight of the Lord, and he did not follow the Lord fully as, as, his, as his father David had done. And it gives us this list of other idols that Solomon began to worship. And they were idols that, that were known as being subduers or destroyers that went to battle for folks, or they were idols that were known to grant life and fertility. The Lord had given Solomon rest from his enemies and yet Solomon was looking for a defense um, in someone that was not God. And Solomon's song ends quite abruptly if we're going to look at, at his life in terms of the shift and the song that people are hearing about a man who trusts in the Lord and who walks with incredible anointing uh, to a man whose reign is end prematurely because he chooses to shift his trust from the strength of the Lord. Um, you can read about that and continue reading about that in 1 Kings 11 and, and into to 12. But I just think, man, Solomon was the wisest man in the world. 
There's no question about that. The word says it. We even uh, talk about that in secular culture. But at the end of his life, he had a decision about where his trust would lie. And it was no longer in the strength of the Lord. It was with idols. It was with women. It was with things that he could see tangibly. And his song did not end on a high note. (laughs) by any means. And for the rest of the nation, things just kind of go downhill, downhill from there. And so as I'm reading about Solomon's story, and I'm thinking about this passage in Psalm 28, therefore my heart rejoices. And with my song, I will thank him and I will praise him. I'm just like, Lord, every day I put my trust in you, in your strength. It's not mine. I forfeit what I can see. I forfeit the temptation to worship idols. So I just want to encourage you today. God is slow to anger. He's abounding in mercy and in steadfast love. What areas of your life do you need to place your trust in and in the Lord's strength? Are there areas of security that you're dwelling in that have nothing to do with the Lord? Um, Maybe it could be um, a relationship with another person. Maybe it could be um, success in career. Maybe it could be fitness goals. It could be a lot of different things that uh, we're singing a song about with our life, with the resources of our life, but it's not a song that's of trust in the Lord. It's a song about something else. How Solomon's. Life could have ended so differently. He accomplished something something great, certainly, in that the Lord allowed him to construct his temple. But God could have done that with anyone. He could have done that with anyone. So if your life's a song, what's it about? What are people hearing? And if you need to put trust in the Lord today, I just want to lead us in a simple prayer and, uh, and help, you, help you do that. And I'm going to close reading this text again from, from Psalm 28. Father, I thank you for um, the gentlemen in Iowa that loved you so faithfully, that lived a lifestyle of trust in your strength in such a way that it was a song manifest to people that knew him intimately, that people knew him as a beneficiary of of good and kind acts that he had conducted toward them. I thank you for that model, Father. Lord, I pray that we would not be like Solomon, that we would not be shifting our trust and our heart away from your strength, Father. Father, you are our subduer. You are the giver of abundant life, so we have no need for any idol, for you are all sufficient. I pray, Father, for any woman listening that needs to, needs a tweak on her song, the song of her life, Lord, that you would just remind her that you are the greatest composer, that you are the greatest giver of second chances and third chances in 100th chances, Father. Lord, I pray for every woman listening to this that her song would be heard from neighbors afar and it would be a song that rejoices over trust in you and your unyielding strength. 
thank you, Father, that you're a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 28, verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, because he's heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts with unwavering confidence in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will thank him and praise him. Lord, be our unyielding strength. Lord, you are the fortress of salvation to your anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be our shepherd also and carry us forever. Amen.